Old Gold Club. Powered by Blythe Group. With Mikey Burrows and Chris Iwalumo. Hello there, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. He's Chris Iwalumo. He's in a mood with me because we're a little bit late doing this one. But School I had to, run, go, mate. I had to go and get you a coffee and I had to no, go and get you. Rod some tea. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. That's the kind of jobs that I do on this. Not only presenting it. 35, 35 minutes to get a coffee and tea. It, it's the machine, not my fault. Mm. I don't even drink tea or coffee. Oh, change t shirt. So basically, uh, we should say hello, uh, Roger Johnson, by the way. Hi, Rog. Hi, uh, we'll, get, we'll get to all your bits in a bit. Um, this is kind of what we do at the start of the podcast. We have a row. Right. And get it out of our system. I did listen to one where he's arguing about tomato sauce for about half hour. Yeah, yeah. You put tomato sauce in the fridge, don't you? I do, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. What is it you want? Barbecue. What's the barbecue difference? doesn't go in the fridge. Oh, I no. don't start that one again anyway. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, you're not wrong. Anyway, I mean, that was probably the peak of our episodes last year as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, and in the first one, uh, which people will know, um, or people probably won't know, actually. So we did Steve Bull as our episode one. Um, I'll let you in on a secret. We're technically recording this on the same day. Uh, but I'm wearing a different T-shirt now, just to wind looms up even more. So earlier I had on a Raul Jimenez T-shirt that got made for me for our live show. And now I'm wearing my Jean Martino 5'7 of Football Heaven T-shirt. All right. Loom's got a free polo shirt out of the live show. All I got was these two T-shirts. And he's now claiming that he's lower down on the pecking order. I've only got one. What do you reckon? And yeah, but you've got polos. a polo shirt. One polo shirt outranks two normal Did you not get a polo shirt? I didn't get one there. Mm, are you sure? I got one weeks before, but I didn't get one for the show. Oh, right, okay. Enough said. I'm sure you got plenty more out of it. I did. Anyway, this is kind of uh, starts the level of controversy. Oh, yeah. Here is we the go. argument <laughs> between you and I um, on what could be a very interesting episode, Mr. Roger Johnson. Yeah, I hope so. Just uh, come on. Thought uh, years have passed on now just to sort of. Come on, be honest. Well, this is all you can do because, uh, you know, genuinely, kind of being semi-serious for a minute, the the biggest thing that's come out of doing these podcasts so far is is honesty, is having people come in and talk about things that happen to them. And like yeah. I said to you on message the other day, like, not everybody has a great experience all the time. No. And, I mean, Carl Henry coming in was the most awkward 10 minutes I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Been sat in between him and Carl Henry. I was going to say, that was just between you two. Yeah, but the thing about it as well is there's two sides to every story, you know, and that's and I think that's important. And that's just way, that's through every walk of life. Every Everything that goes on, people see things from different angles. Like me and Carl, we both we both believed in what how we reacted to a certain thing. Uh, but he's taken it from his point of view, where Bolton were at that time, and where I was, I'm just doing my job. Yeah. So... There's, there's there's no personal attack. It's just basically honest account. I think the same with Jarvo as well. That he was he was kind of you could see him kind of going round the actual point about why why he left Wolves and, yeah. and moved on. And it is, I just had to stop him and say, look, it's this is this it's football. There's certain thing. There's 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 money, and of course the security that that brings. I made a choice to to leave to go, and it's probably my regret in football to go to Burnley. Yeah. Uh, but it was they offered me the same money that I was on in the Premier League. Going to the championship, I know I'm going to be playing, and it was it was a it was a, a chance for me to go and and it was a security thing, three year contract at 31 years old. It boils down to you at the end. Of, of course day, it does. Right for you. Of course it does. I've got to mention that noise, by the way. I don't know what that was that was going past. It might just be some kind of hell freezing over the fact that we've got. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm back. <laughs> to come in and talk about what's going on. Um, but yeah, you know, genuinely, there have been people come in and talk about things. You know, Terry Connor's been in. Yeah. Mick McCarthy's been in. Carl Henry's been in. Looms mentions Matt Jarvis. Yeah. You know, being honest about the reasons why he left. And you know, there've been there've been some others from further back in time. And there will be people to come. Yeah, I'm sure. As well, he's a quite quite lad anyway, Matty. Any so, yeah, it's probably tough for him to come out with it. But yeah, he likes a Carl, myself. I'll be honest today, and different sort of different breed. Yeah, and I guess there's an element of um, without getting too much into the detail because we do that on the main show. But there is always that element of the public image that people have is often different to the image off the field of course it is I mean I've met so many people over the years where they, th- they think one thing and then they see you and have a 
half-hour conversation with you. Like, oh, I didn't think you'd be like that. So it's people read and the media and the press, power of the pen, I call it. Yeah. And unless they know you, yeah, people can, have got the right to make their own assumption, but majority of the time, it's it's always wrong. Does that bug you? Um, I think when serious things happen, like like the Wolves, the Wolves saga. Um, and what went on? So many things went on. It, it, it bugs me sometimes because obviously they, so many people have that perception of you. Then, rather than just, but for the person, for the individual, it's tough to actually come out and say, "Well, no, it's not that." So sometimes you just have to leave it, and then you get opportunities like this, yep. four, five, six years later, to come on and and air a few truths, hold your hands up to a few things, and then uh, hopefully. You're viewed as a better person. <laughs> well, it's that thing, isn't it? Like, I, people will probably be interested to know that you're like still mates. You live in Birmingham still. You're mates with loads of the players that you were at Wolves with. That's what I mean. So I couldn't have been that bad a guy. All, all the lads I still speak to on a very regular basis. So we will get into it. We'll get into it. <laughs> Don't you worry. We will get into it. Um, we'll also a little bit later on, hopefully, have some uh, some interesting inside stories from Rog on life in the dressing room maybe not here maybe from elsewhere as well because we're going to try and make it a thing this year of looms is I don't know what this noise is that's going on around the place it's ridiculous um, of life in and around the dressing room yep not almost as, like secret footballer because we're not allowed to say the names in some of these no no well, I don't I don't bring up any names but there's there's some funny stories some yeah some a little bit risky stories but it's I think what the what people don't know that happens in dress it's, you've got to be thick skinned haven't you it's yeah, quite massively. a harsh school massively uh, and it's uh, the harshest is not, I don't think there's another industry no like. I agree I agree and it's like some of the things that oh, that goes on that you have to just be up front take it on the chin and you know what at the same time go out and perform and get yeah. it's it's difficult because there's no there's no place to hide in the dressing room it's hard, hard to remember though as years go on I mean Michael you, you remind me of a story won't go into the yeah. details of what happened but that, that was years ago and then you've only just reminded me today yeah but I've got one of those weird memories <clears throat> I've got a great memory um, footballers in general though don't have great memories yeah more football related if you ask me a score about a game and things yeah or and what happened and yeah. did I play well did, did we win did I score did we keep a clean sheet I'll remember that and I'll be like yeah I remember that game yeah and I'll, I'll have some weird stat just locked away in the safe but things that happen maybe in a, in the dressing room and nights out or travelling over the Christmas period things that happen stuff like that Yeah. as years go on it is, is harder to remember so much harder to remember is that because football kind of plays such a part in your life that you you remember the on-pitch stuff whereas everything else kind of blends in a little bit more yeah, to I mean, normal it's 20 life. years you've got it's a long time I, that's uh, 20 years of pro so it's, it's hard to remember 18 years ago you remember what you were doing 18 years ago uh, how, how old am I am now <laughs> uh, yeah I was at college I was going to say you've got to be in your 30s yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm mid thirties. Don't, don't you worry about that much. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> I'm younger. Than, I'm definitely younger than Looms. How old are you now? Thirty-six. Yeah, still younger. You're old, man. You are old. Different generation. That's all yeah, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> generation. Yeah. We had, when we had Steve Bullin for the first episode, and we were talking about him playing at Italia ninety, and I had to drop in there that I was six at the time. All right. There you go. That's yeah. Era. I mean, that's this is the weirdest thing though. Now, whilst we get onto this very quickly, is when you start to see players that are coming through, and they're like starting their careers, and they're already better at like seventeen than I could ever have been. Yeah, it's crazy. Do you I get think, that as players? Yeah. <laughs> of course you do. I think that you look at now. What's it? Raheem Sterling, twenty-four years old. He's he's played eight. He's been involved in eight Premier League, eight Premier League seasons. He's had already. 24. We had to graph for them opportunities, didn't we? <laughs> I mean, they did, the way football's gone now is just another just, level. Stratosphere, just crazy how how further on when we were 16, cleaning yeah, booths, cleaning stands. Yeah. Like, you like, didn't clean stands. We used to have to go as a YT to clear up from the Saturday's match on Monday, all the burger cups, yeah. the coffee cups. So the YTs had to walk around and do that. 
I don't believe this for a second. It's a true story. Doesn't it's not allowed to happen in academies anymore. They're not even allowed to clean boots and things. It's, it's just the way, you know. I, I got put. I turned professional straight out of school, so I, I had the opportunity to go to university, and I went uh, turn pro. So I never done my YTS, but I remember I got put in the boot room, just because. Uh, yeah, I, I gave a bit of back chat to the manager for the full season. I was in the boot room doing the reserve team boots. Every Friday, the door would uh, they'd come in. The light would come off, the manager and the assistant manager, and you just had to fight for your life. Exactly that. Lights out. They were on the, some of the best times, though. That Light, was it, yeah. Lights <laughs> out. Lights out was one of the best things yeah. ever. And that sorted the men from the boys, because yeah. knew, I knew who was going to make it out of our crowd. So the lights would go out, everyone would just get a flip-flop, certainly in the boat. That was it, yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter who you were hitting, just digs going yeah, And the rule was, as soon as the light went on, you had to stop. You couldn't then, no blows or nothing could happen. Uh, usually the, you'd go round as groups, uh, and the assistant manager or manager would go round all the jobs with the YT, with the white glove on, check it's all been white and dusted, and then you'd have forfeits, singing. Oh, there was all sorts of things going on. So. It didn't matter, because you, obviously you were all in different groups. If somebody in the other group, you might have done your job perfectly. Three the groups if someone hasn't done it in the fourth group you're oh, all doing it everyone yeah. everyone together what does that that brings that brings a togetherness as well there you know what I mean I think we're kind of I guess younger players are coming through now and it's things are getting I guess we get spoke to a certain way and it kind of you have to man up very early and you can't you can't really speak and I understand the game's changed so you can't really speak to young players coming through like that anymore yeah. But it's it's lost the game's lost a bit of that that kind of mental toughness which 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 I guess uh, Billy spoke about in the last show as well. But I think that's still quite important. It is. It's part. In, it's part. In, in today's it. game, even that sort of. I've been at clubs the last three four years. The difference in how do you word it? The difference in how the, the younger lads will speak to the the senior pros. I mean, when I got in Wickham's first team at sixteen, and then I got con- uh, signed my pro contract at seventeen. I didn't even want to go from the YT change room into no. the first team change room. Yeah. I didn't want to go in there. Yeah. I said, no, yeah. I'll stay in there, but you have to go. And then obviously you walk in there and when we were playing, it, it was men. Average age of a team now is what, 23? Yeah. 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 So I was 17 going into a change room with 30, 20, like 28, 29, 30, 31, yeah. 30, 32 year olds. Now who's this little? Like, <laughs> but, I'm quite forthcoming, and, I, I, and when I went in there, I held my own. But obviously, playing helped because obviously they they start they get gain that respect from what you're doing on the pitch. I th- I feel like sometimes dressing rooms control themselves in that way because there's a story I'll tell, and I won't mention any of the names. But there was a a young player a couple of years ago, and obviously the first team get to eat at a certain time, don't you? Yeah. And then the, the academy players and stuff will come in at a later time. They're not allowed to come in and eat before that set time and there was this one player who came in I always remember it that he was trying to get the canteen stuff just to serve him his food he was like and he came out with a comment where he said I'm going to be first team soon anyway and there was a couple of senior pros sat there and you can imagine the reaction yeah that was like you know in short get out yeah and it was like it policed itself in a way I think it has to yeah but I think with me and Looms are with we're sort of almost dead in football terms. <laughs> Our era is going to go out of the game and then, say, in another 10 years, I just hope football doesn't lose that seniority of an older pro, the younger lads respecting the older pro, and even small things like that. But that's that. I was, I cut it really short. My mum, I, I was terror at home, terror at school, left home, went to London, lived in digs with another family, <clears throat> and then as the months went on I was coming back month on month and she said to me you've, you've actually grown into a man and a respectful one Yeah. but I always believe football taught me that mm. yeah. massively because I wanted to be there and I had to do it and at school I didn't want to do school but you've got to do your college yeah. so I ended up coming out with I don't know I could probably be a lifeguard in, <laughs> in a swimming pool somewhere but I, I had to do them things do you know what I mean so like back to back to the original point, I just hope that football doesn't lose the rules that have been in the game for how long? I think you're spot on. It does. It gives you life skills, doesn't it? Massively. To go and massively. Go out and do whatever it is you want to do. I think that just embeds the right uh, kind of kind of principles and mm. and life morals and a bit of respect. Yeah. Anyway. We're going to get into it properly okay. in just a second. 
because um, there's a lot we need to talk to Roger Johnson about on the Old Gold Club, uh, powered by Blythe Group this season. Thank you very much to our new sponsors supporting us throughout the campaign and also supporting Wolves TV Match Day Live as well on a weekend. Every single game is available at wolves.co.uk and available via the Wolves app as well. We'll hear from our sponsor and then the show is coming next. This season, the Old Gold Club and Wolves TV Match Day Live are powered by Blythe Group. An industry-leading construction company and family-run business since 1982, driving investment and infrastructure across the UK. Blythe Group's mission is to provide an unrivaled service based on innovative, bespoke building solutions and comprehensive customer support. If you're a skilled tradesperson and you want to join the team that powers our team, contact their bases in Wolverhampton, Manchester or Maidenhead via theblythegroup.co.uk. Blythe Group. Big enough to deliver, small enough to care. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Alongside me, as ever, is Chris Awellamo. We are back for a brand new season. And if there's one thing we like to cherish on this show, it's getting the honest, true stories of what happened at the club. And not everyone is going to have a happy story to tell. And that being said, our guest this week made 72 appearances, scoring two goals in what turned out to be back-to-back relegations. Welcome to the Old Gold Club. Roger Johnson, here to put the record straight. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, the back-to-back relegations was a was a tough thing for just even to listen to. So, uh, yeah, let's get some things out in the open and some home truths and some, a bit of honesty, like you said. Well, let's go right back to the start because there is only one place to begin and it's the moment when you arrive at the club and literally a couple of weeks into it, you are made captain. Yeah. Was that your choice? Did you ask for that or was that put on you? I did not ask for it. Um, I've heard many people talk about it, saying, oh, it must have been in his contract, he's coming and asked for that. Not the case, not the case at all. It was mentioned to me by my agent, um, said, oh, I think there's a chance that he might be changing the captain, captaincy. Um, I was like, oh, really? And I raised my eyebrows, left it at that. So I think my agent probably put it towards Mick at the time um, and said, yeah, Rogers, Roger, he'll, he'll grab it with both hands. And mm-hmm. the thing is, at the time, I probably thought captain of a Premier League club and things have gone well from, from Wickham to Cardiff to Birmingham. So I thought, yeah, I, I can probably go in there and, yeah, be a good captain. It's not uh, something you're going you're gonna to say no to if it's offered to you. You know, like, I know that, that players have asked for certain numbers and things like this, and that, that's part and parcel of the game. You yeah. know, at the end of the day, if if a club's going to come in and they're going to want you and you're Mick McCarthy's man, it does, it gives you a little bit of bargaining power. If it was, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with if you said, I want to be captain, because you've been captain before, you've, you've led the line, you go out and play and lead by example. In my opinion... It's, that's then down to the manager to, to, to make that decision there's nothing wrong with you asking for it yeah. but it's down to Mick McCarthy saying yeah I'm going to give you it or I'm not going to give you it yeah well I can put the record straight on it I've not made that part of my contract right I want to be captain mm. um, in hindsight looking back was it the right thing to do um, but like Loom said there if it's offered you I'm not going to turn down being a Premier League captain at all and, and how I am as a person like I explained then uh, I felt that I could go in there, keep playing the way I was playing, keep growing. When I came, I came to to Wolves to stay in the Premier League, and I was getting England call-ups at the time. So I just thought, yeah, no, I can, this is great for me. Um, well, let's, let's let's go to that then. So you come in, and as it's 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 easier. You've 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 made your move from like you see Wickham, Cardiff, Birmingham. You come into Wolves Premier League side. And it's a good, it's a good group. That's it. It's a good group. Like you see United, uh, and then you're you're given that extra little bit of responsibility. You're sharing because I'm I'm close with Carl, and I remember he called me at that time about yeah. The, I think the gaff is going to change captaincy because you were sharing it through the pre-season matches. You were the armband was getting yeah. switched to. So what is it then? Do you think then? Because obviously your agent said to you that that that's that's what that's what's in Mick McCarthy's mind. 
but you know yourself. Do you just go in there and think, no, I'm just going to let my football do the do the talking? Go and go in because you know in a dressing room the character that you are. Yeah. But it's the football. You've got to get that respect to the players as well, haven't you? Because you are going to be there, representative. You're like massively, man between yeah. You. And, and and it actually went swimmingly well through pre-season and the start of the season. But yeah, I mean, I kind of got a gist that that's where Mick's head was at. Mick's head was at. Um, and like you said, they've subbed on, subbed off during the pre-season games. Um, if it wasn't me coming off or Carl coming off, he'd make someone run it over to me if I was still on the pitch. So I kind of read between the lines and uh, got the gist that, that it may happen. Um, but at not one point did the gaffer call me and say, <clears throat> I'm thinking about doing it. Um, and then I think it was in Ireland pretty sure the gaffer called me to his to his room and just said look this is how it is this is what I want this is what I want you to be the skipper um, and at that point I just thought well he's obviously made his decision I'm going back to what you said you, I'm not going to walk out of that room and say well no mm-hmm. and at that period I was high as a kite I, I went from strength to strength personally in, in the clubs I've been at so I just thought yeah let's do it yeah. did you and Carl ever talk about it? I pulled Carl and I said look I, I, this is nothing to do with me. I, Mick's made this decision. I, I don't want it to affect me and you. We'll know it. I'm a grown man. I, I knew that Carl would be disappointed because I wouldn't want that personally. Um, but I wasn't at the club before then, so I didn't know what had gone on between the gaffer and and Carl at that time. Um, and obviously, years and years on, you, you know when you're in a situation and things get said, and we do stuff like this. Um, well, Carl has Carl has done this, and Carl said on his that he now understands why Mick made the change. That he was a player's captain, not necessarily a manager's captain. Yeah. What captain were you then? Well, we know we know Carl, don't we? He, he, and he was, to be to be fair. And even when he didn't have the armband, he was still trying to do the whole players thing. Um, and spoke well for the boys. Don't get me wrong; he was he was good, a very good part of the change room, and taking that on the chin as well. Um, give Carl a lot of credit for that. To be fair, because it's not a nice situation to be in. It wasn't a nice situation for me to be in, but how he dealt with it, um, he well, dealt with it very well. Did um, that did that make it harder for you the way that he was then? Because he is very dominating. You know, yeah, he's, he's always he always expresses his opinion, but you're captain. You're you're you are in front of the lads and you're leader you're the leader of men really, aren't you? But I'm like that as well. So yeah, yeah, that, a, that's what I mean. So was that yeah. was that quite is it heads button or did you just work together? Or was that the start was that the start of the, the certain cracks that, that I asked I did ask for his help. I said, Look, you know these lads are a lot better than I do. I, yeah. I knew a few of the boys before I came. But he's obviously been through promotions with, with the lads, uh, been through tough times with the boys. So he knows them better than better than me, football-wise, personal-wise, mm-hmm. personal life-wise. So, yeah, I did ask for... I just said, look, if there's anything you can help me with. Um, and it was tough to, for me to actually come out with that because I, I was thinking, how must he be feeling? Like, yeah. And I always reverse things. If, how would I feel if, if that... Was happening to me, and then I've got the new skipper, and I'm still in the change room, and he's asking me to to help him with the job he's just taken off me. So it was it was really, really it's hard to explain, but it was a it was a tough, tough period, tough transition. Um, but Carl had, like I said, he had the respect to the change room, so I'm sure a lot of boys went up to Carl. I think he said on his on his podcast that a few boys had texted and rang him and said disagree with it, out of order, kind of thing. As I'm old, I look back and kind of wish I didn't didn't take it, but we can go over that and, and I'll say the same thing. Yeah. You, you don't turn you that don't opportunity. Is, it, is there an element, if you hadn't have taken it, it would have gone to somebody else? Probably. Because from the sounds if, of things... If the from gaffer's made his Carl mind said, that, yeah. then, yeah, he probably would have. I don't know that for, for a fact, but I think... I mean, me and Carl are fairly similar in ways. Like, we... We say it how it is. We try and get get the problem solved out in the open. No one talking behind people's backs and all that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you would have, maybe you wouldn't have. How much there is a perception on the outside that it split the dressing room? 
and that's what caused the problems. Is that true? Is that how much in your mind did that happen? When you add things to it, I mean, we started the season great. Um, everyone was on a high, and then just out of nowhere, it just from that day onwards, I think, who do we play? We lost QPR, was it? Three or four nil? Rings a bell. From that day onwards, we <clears throat> it's like we'd never played football before. Um, so I think result. If it, when you add things to it like results, mm-hmm. not just me taking captaincy because <clears throat> when, when we were winning, everything was great. But obviously, we went on a really long run of just not getting good results. So then, obviously, people start picking things from elsewhere. Oh, yeah. it must be that. It must be that. And me taking the armband. It must be that. So from the outsider's point of view, I, I can I can see yeah. why people would think, well, something's not right in the changing room, then it must be that. Um, Roger Technicapsi, Carl's still there. Think, oh, trying to think back, I there wasn't a massive divide in the changing room. Carl had very close friends in the changing room, but I don't think that, that changed just because I took the, the captaincy and then there was no clicks like, oh, you had in the changing room where well, maybe I'm naive, maybe there were conversations going on in, in different parts of the training ground, but I think the the main part of that was results-based. We, we weren't doing it on the pitch. Because people forget, because you mentioned you were unbeaten for the first three games, and the nil-nil draw at Villa, I'm pretty sure it was an early kickoff, and so you were technically top of the table Yeah. after three I matches. I remember it, the boys were all buzzing. And, and then you lose at home to Spurs, 3 not home to QPR, then away at Liverpool home to Newcastle and away at Albion and it's that kind of run I guess that set it off where there was a draw at Swansea lost away at Man City beat Wigan but it, it got harder and harder yeah, I mean, the Premier League is the toughest league in the world so yeah. every, every game but the thing is with the Premier League I mean I, I love when you've lost on the Saturday and there's a Tuesday game the Premier League is Saturday to Saturday so that period you just mentioned there spanned over probably to two months two and a yeah. half months yeah. so when you're not getting it and you've got a week to, till you've got the next game obviously the pressure builds we need to get a result lads and the longer that goes on Looms will tell you he's been in, in change rooms like it I've, I've been in other change rooms like it you just, when, you need, when you need a result and you're still not getting it then obviously people start pointing and trying to dig out the problems of what, 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 what is it right, well you, you said that there about obviously and it is a result business and there's, there's there's squads that are very together that can go on runs just as bad so were you aware that what people were saying that there was a divide was that something that the, the dressing room was aware of at the time or like I say it was just focus on football or was there outside implements that were that you that were raising their head at, at that was, point it was a bit of both um all right, so you were aware of it at the time as well. That's I'm, I'm surprised. I'm that surprised me personally. I, yeah. I, I, would, I was reading things or right what people were saying. Mark, what was it that is it? And then obviously the captaincy is that. Is there a divide in changing room? Did it affect the changing room? Not really. We needed a result and we weren't getting them. Yeah. So for me personally, I did. Do I think it divided the changing room? No. I just like back back to the same point. If you're not getting results, there's people are going to point fingers. I, I guess there's a there's a point to it sometimes when the team had only just stayed up on the final day. Yeah. In fact, losing on the final day, but still having that momentum of staying up. So the team that you arrived in, what did you think of it when you first got there? Did it have the quality that people had thought it had before? It's a, it's a great question because I I think this. If you go back to it, like you said there, the the, the facts are the facts stayed up by a goal. I think um, so. That for me as a as a as a manager and a, and a club owner, I would probably think right. It's, a, it's, it's tough. It's going to be tough next season. We signed me and Doris de Vries and I think Egert Johnson in the January. I don't, I don't think personally that's enough to not put yourself in another situation of staying up on the last day that's that's my personal view on it I, I would have hoped for a bit more strength and certainly in the January when we still had a chance of staying up um, I would have wanted a, a few more players nothing against Doris and Do- Doris wasn't even playing really mm-hmm. it was Wayno 
Eggert came in, didn't really play. Um, so I did feel, and I loved the pressure. It was basically, I was the only signing from the squad from the previous season. So, but I thought, no, and, and I, I did think we were a good team, but over a Premier League season, it's, it's tough. It's, certainly when you're getting injuries, it's tough. Were you told at the time that more players would come in? Yes and no. Because you have those conversations, yeah, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I, Mick rang me and he said, look, we're, look, we're looking to, to invest in, 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 in players, want to kick on again next season. I was, he, sold, he sold me the dream of, yeah, I'm on a, on a massive club, huge club Wolves. I liked how Mick was. I liked that in your face, honest, to the point. But... Would I would I hope for some a couple more signings? Probably, yeah. What what was the dressing room like? As in, I've been under Mick. I know that he allows the players to come and have those little meetings where they get things. And going through a run like that, that's that would have definitely happened a few times in that case. So who is that something you took upon yourself? You got the group together and everyone aired their opinions and thoughts about why why it's not 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 firing the way it should. Yeah, it's hard to think to remember back, but certainly we had. I mean, it's a common known thing—a crisis meeting in in football. Yeah, when it isn't when it isn't happening, you you have a a big meeting, and a lot of players some some don't want to speak, some do. So it was generally the same the people same talking. people talking, mm-hmm. and it was sort of just going round in circles. Really, we didn't really get anything out of it. All we know, what everyone knew, we just needed to go on a little string of games where you pick a win and a draw and if you're playing Man City okay you might lose one nil but they're better performance do you know what I mean so thinking back to that to that era of when we were struggling it's hard, it's hard to remember but there was there was certainly a few crisis meetings we'd go through the videos I think that's just a standard thing to go through and people would hold their hands up to mistakes and certainly we'll move on to that in a minute my personal performance yeah certainly after the um, first three games, and I'd never had it before in my career. It, it wasn't good enough, and I hold my hands up to that massively. I, I wasn't playing well. I even went to Mick. I said, "Look, take me out of the team." I said, "Because everything I'm doing is either making us lose. Or I'm giving a goal away. I'm going to block shots, and it's coming off my back and going in." So I even went. I said, "Look, take me out of the team because I, I think it might be me. I, I'm making mistakes." So yeah. So was Mick too loyal? to you because you were very loyal to him when he actually got the boot you did an interview at the time where you said the fault was with the players not with Mick yeah and I, I truly believe that yeah massively believe that um, I, I, I'm still gutted to this day to be fair because Mick put a hell of a lot of faith in me signing me for a, a very good amount of money um, the fee that is not my wage um, giving me the captaincy and causing that Massive, massive thing to when when Carl was still at the club. Um, I just don't fit, think I repaid him enough for putting that much, that much faith in me. Basically, so I was I was gutted. I wanted him to stay, and I, I, I still think we'd have stood a good chance if he did stay. But I know it's a results-based business. Do you think that was the right thing to do? Having like if the if you never had the full back into the dressing room to say, look, it's our, it's the players' fault. Do you think, as captain, do you think that was the right thing for you to do at that at that time? I'd expect expect the players to know that. I, I said this, I said the same, but yeah, I'm just thinking. But I think footballers they're not stupid. They're, they're, I know people think they are, but everyone in that training room will know it's us. It's us. End of story. So the captain going out, I'd expect them to show. Yeah, well, he's kind of got to say that, but I wanted to say that because I believe it, it was the players. Me included. So let's get to it then, because this is probably the the biggest thing that I guess would gripe fans, and I know it gripes you the way it comes through. So Terry Connor gets the job, and he drops you from the team. And after his second game, you reportedly turn up for training drunk. Yeah, you're right about this. This story does bug me massively. Um, go back to it, the power of the pen, once it's out there, you've got to then convince however many thousands of people that have, have got that perception that that's, no, that's not the case. And I was disappointed with, with how Wolves dealt with it, to be honest, because I felt like I'm kind of getting scapegoated here for 
what's gone on at the club, why we're in this position. Um, I just thought it was a bit unfair because, yes, I wasn't playing under Terry. Um, for one reason or another, we didn't see eye to eye. Um, took me straight out of the team, took the captaincy off me. Um, so that was hard to swallow, but just got to get on with it. Uh, wasn't playing. So yeah, I'd, I'd met a few friends on, on the Sunday after we'd, after we'd lost. Fully aware that I had training on the Monday. Um, when I'd had a few beers, uh, turned up to training Monday, wasn't late. Turned up to train and trained. Turned up to training Tuesday, wasn't late. Trained and then Terry Connor pulls me on the Wednesday and says, well, you turned up to training drunk on Monday. I said, did I? I said, what, was I late? Did I train? So that that was my mm. sort of answer back. He said, "Well, the the press have got it now, and they're, they're going to run the story." I said, "What do you mean they're going to run the story? W was I drunk Monday then?" But I'm, I'm I'm being totally honest here. Yes, I had a few beers on the Sunday because I was disappointed that I wasn't playing, that we were still losing, and I had a couple of beers with a few friends, but I still turned up to work and I still trained on that, on that day. But I think how it came across in in the press and how Wolves allowed them to, to write that when everyone knew the facts. Terry Connor was there, all the staff were there, the lads were there. And with Jez, I didn't really have much dealings with uh, Mr Morgan. So so, wait, I'm, so, on, so you've come in, because I don't really know this story, you've come in on the Monday, you've trained, you've got yourself, got the rubs, got the strappings, you've out and trained, went home, come in on the Tuesday, trained... And then you get pulled on the Wednesday. On the what? Wednesday, because I think our game on, was on the Sunday, so we were we were off on the Thursday. I think that's right. So we what, were certainly in, but I. So you it's, it's, so you're getting used as a, a kind of a scapegoat then, or? You tell me, but once that's out, it's difficult for you. Yeah, tough, tough, and then, then obviously with coming out of the team and where we were in the league at that time and being captain, it didn't help me. But look, I, should I gone out on the Sunday and had had a couple of beers? I mean, I had a meal and a few beers. It wasn't I wasn't out nightclubbing. Mm. Uh, I was down there. I used to live in Meriden. There was a pub right at the bottom of where I lived. Just had a, a bit of grub with a few pals. Not going to name them. Um, but I still did what was expected. I went to work. I wasn't late. And then three, two days later, two and a half days later, I'm getting told that I turned up drunk. So, do you understand though why that? Grated with a lot of fans. I totally understand it. Totally understand it. I, I'm, I'm there. I've come in as captain. We're not playing well. I wasn't playing well. We're, we're, their beloved club is, I think, probably bottom of the league at that at that time. And then you've got a player earning X amount of money, and he turns up drunk. So once that's, it's hard to like we're having now a conversation. Mm. So I'm making you understand what the actual scenario was. Mm -hmm. Reading that in. 30 lines of, of a newspaper cut and then it's, it's hard to understand well he might he's turned up drunk and then there was things oh did he I got sent home and then I got fined none of that happened because it, it we did an episode with Steve Bull where Steve Bull talked about getting hammered the night before a game on New Year's Eve and scoring four, four goals, goals the next, the day, next yeah. day that is it because of the situation the team is in that people look differently on it. Yeah, but Mikey, what if 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 Roger turns up to training and he's paralytic and he's walking in and he can't string a sentence together? He's come in and trained. He's he's he sat in on a Sunday and wind down and had a meal and what five six beers and then he's went to bed. He slept. He's come in and trained Monday Tuesday and then he's been pulled on a Wednesday because did he smell a drink? But he's went and trained. But how many? I can tell you stories now about players that go out on a night out, and I mean clubbing as well, 100. and then come in and train and get through training. I mean, just get through training and then go and sleep, and then the next day they're, they're they're fine. But no one has a has a. Well, what I'm saying is, is it because of the situation the team was in? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, of course it is. Of course, and that's probably where you probably hold your hands up, Roger, and say, Massively you know hold what? My hands up. Yeah, shouldn't have done it, but. Don't forget, I'm out of the team at that point as well, and I'm I'm disappointed. Do I want to sit in my house and think about it? And just I thought, oh, I just need to clear my head. 
go and met a couple of, couple of mates and had a few beers and a meal. So I think it was massively blown out of proportion, which is, which is disappointing. But like you said, I hold my hands up massively, massively. But I just wanted to get that across today because I think a lot of people believe the story in the paper and the smaller things that go with it like being, oh, oh he got sent home no I didn't I, tra- I trained and anyone that says I didn't train they're, they're lying yeah. I want to fast forward then to you get back in the team and then you have the incident with Wayne Hennessy on the pitch I mean I think that got blown up I still speak to Wayne now I've asked him to come and catch it and he's, I think he punched it. I just wanted to take the pressure off us. I've had this row with every probably goalie I've ever had, ever had in my career. I think he's punched it when he kind of called it. I was like, I won't use the language, but can't catch it to relieve the pressure. I, I, think, I think I'm right in saying, I can't remember who we're playing, but it was back to the wall stuff. So we need, as a defender, need, needed a breather. Um, but look. Wayno's come out and Wayno's a, a vocal lad as well so we've squared up I've done it loads of times but I think yeah. obviously in, in the situation I, I was certainly in with everything being like highlighted so much yeah. and obviously Wayne's, Wayno's a great great goalie great lad and we still speak now if I see him we hug each other and say what's happening I think because he was a fan's favourite as well and then I'm this villain that's obviously with everything that's, that happened from me signing to, to that point, yeah, but I think it got blown out a little bit of proportion. Is that how you I feel? I think Wayno would tell you that as well. Is that how you feel? You're the villain. I don't want to... Let me just start again on the villain part. I, I hold my hands up. I, I've not been in the right and everything I've done at Wolves. I shouldn't have probably took the captaincy. My performance level wasn't good enough. But I don't, I don't want to make this whole thing about me, oh, poor Roger... I don't want it to be that because I signed to help the club and I think in my period I didn't do that. We're just getting some random noises in the background yeah, can, that people can probably hear coming through, <laughs> crashing and banging. Are you sure you didn't tell anyone that yeah, was yeah, yeah. Don't worry, we, sn- we snuck you in to, to get this done, don't worry. Um, because, uh, the, and the reason I asked that is that um, there was obviously at the end of the season at Wigan, there was the stuff with the fans from there, and then at the end of your, what well, effectively what became the end of your Wolves career at Brighton, when the Championship relegation happened, mm. and there was this whole stuff with the shirt. Do you know what though, a lad in the warm-up, this is God's honest truth, he asked me, "Can I have your shirt after the game?" So obviously, what had happened had happened, and then we'd lost, and the lads were going over. Yeah, we were getting abused. I was actually trying to look for this young lad. So, and then I'm, I'm half taking it off and then everyone's going, oh, obviously I can't use the language, yeah. but I thought, oh, do you know what, I'll just leave it. <laughs> so then that gets heightened. Oh, Johnson's tried to throw his shirt in, shirt in the crowd and we don't want it. It wasn't that. I think a 10, 11 year old asked me, can I, can I have your shirt after the game? And I, I remembered, I remember stuff like that. You've got to go fast forward again. Now that we talk about the, the bomb squad. So take, take us through Take us because it's that when I when I came to Wolves, there was a there was a squad under Mick McCarthy like with Bothroyd and uh, Charlie Mulgrew and Elliot Bennett and things. So, talk to us when Kenny Jacket comes to you. Then what happens from that moment on? Like every other time, I'm sure you've had it. A new manager comes, does his big sort of thing with the lads, says where he wants to go, blah blah blah. I think Carl touched on it on, on in his podcast, um, and then he. Did a list of names, the, the ones that were in it. Me, Wardy, Foles, Carl, Jamie. Um, Doyler, I think. Doyler. And then there was a, there was actually a couple of the uh, French French boys in it as well. Um, how about that? I forgot their names. Uh, Ra- yeah. Razak. That's a Bakari. Could have been in it. And then t- what's the big tall lad as well? It's bad that I forgot their Steven names. Stephen Moyakolo? No, we'll leave it anyway. So, but that, that was the crowd. Um, he said, can you stay behind after? Tongo Doombia. There you go. Him. Um, so it was a fairly massive, like it was a big, yeah. it was, well, certainly. It's some, a squad on its own. It's yeah. a squad on its own. Yeah. There was, there was some, certainly some, um, some, uh, how do I word that? Characters. Characters, that's a, that's a better way of putting it. Uh, certainly some characters are in it. And uh, he just said, look, one by one we went and had a chat with him. You're not, you're not like my plans. 
and I we had this chat before the show. I like straight talkers, so I was I was actually pleased that he took the time to say, "Look, you're not in the plans. We'll do everything we can to get you out of here." It wasn't sort of a a conversation where it's oh I, I would like a chance kind of thing. It was just, that was it, and I, I'm not stupid. I know the club have suffered back-to-back relegations and need to go push to get straight back up. If I'm not in their plans, that's that's, that's fine. So I took that on the chin. Everything he said to me, I respected. I was like, okay, not a problem. Um, so from then on, day by day, it just it went against what he what he said. Obviously, he said that I'll help you and we'll we'll do everything we can. Um, started with the changing room thing. Then we got shooed to the opposite end of the training ground without being told. All that stuffs out of our lockers um, without saying a word which I found a little bit disrespectful, certainly to the, I think Carl again touched on it. These people have, have won promotions with, with the club, been there a long time. So your Wardies, your Foles, yeah. your Carls, I think they deserved a bit more respect than that. Yeah, I, I did, I, I've had a tough two years, two relegations. I knew, I kind of knew what was coming for me, but for the lads like Carl and the lads I mentioned there, I thought that was really, really bad, really bad. Um, Carl said I'm not moving until he tells me and I was kind of similar to it um, Maltz the, the kit man at the time I said look Maltz I love you to bits but it's not down to you to do this yeah. he's obviously took the, the the coward's way out and has made you do it it's not your job so if the manager wants to have that conversation with, with me I, I was only talking about me if the lads want to go down there straight away that's down to them but um, yeah I, I wanted I wanted him to come, come to at least me or or as us as a group and say, look, lads, would you have stayed and played then? Do you know what? I thought about this. I, I personally would have loved a chance to right the wrongs that, yeah. that that had happened at Wolves. If they said you're in the plans, I'd have fought my thingies off to to get in the team and get get the club back promoted because I, I I'm part of that. I, I'm to blame for that. Massive part in it. So, uh, yeah, I, would I say, yeah, hold up. Because how do you view it now? And you see where the club has got to now. Is your view of Wolverhampton Wanderers, has it ever changed? I, I, I think this is a huge, massive, great club. And I'm actually really pleased the club is back to where it kind of, kind of belongs. It's, 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 it's a huge club. Um, I'm, I'm, I've got nothing. I'm, I'm pleased. I'm actually really pleased that the club are where they are. The Old Gold Club, powered by Blythe Group, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. So that was the show, on with the podcast. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about from that time being in the bomb squad, and I, I hate the term bomb squad because there is, I mean, there's a group now that aren't kind of involved in either of the groups, and it's like group three. It was just in that one period it became known as the bomb squad. It was the time that you went on Soccer AM, and you came out with a quote that sticks with a lot of fans. And it was, I'm employed by the club, so I would probably give up a fair amount of money if I just walked out. They, the fans, can point the finger, but I didn't ask to come in at 2pm. I didn't ask not to play. I want to play football. I knew this was coming, this. because If I could take the comments back, I would, on how I sort of came across in saying it. Yeah. The reason I, I still, I, don't, I won't take back. I mean, I'd, I'd like to chuck this to Looms. Have you, have you ever left the club without having another club to go to? Because basically, or, or any walk of life, you don't, you don't leave your job until you have another one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In any walk of life. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was trying to get across. Like, yeah, I'm not just going to, oh, do you know what? Scrap the two years. I've just got to walk out. I've got nothing to go to, but I'll just walk out. It, was, it wasn't, I didn't mean it to come across in the way I'm staying here for the money. And that, again, power of the pen. Once that headline's there yeah. and they're writing, just. Well, we, well, you're, you've got a contract. <laughs> no, like you said, in any walk of life, you're not just walking out of a contract when you've not got something else here. I mean, I, I do have sympathy on this because uh, I used to do a thing with Danny Mills. And I talked to him once about when he went from Leeds to Man City. Yeah. And he and Robbie Fowler were amongst that group that 
Leeds had to keep paying them. I played with portion. Robbie, and he, when he came to Cardiff, he was still getting paid by, yeah. by Leeds. And I, and I said to Danny, well, you know, Man City must have been paying you a big amount of money and stuff. And Danny said, well, he said, yeah, but he said, I'd signed a five-year contract and I was living to the means. I'd bought a house that mm. was reliant on that money for that five years. And I had cars and I had, you know, all the stuff that things. He said, it's not my fault that the club didn't want me anymore. Mm. Is Which that how I, you felt? Yes, to some extent. I mean, don't uh, things that have gone on that people might not even know about. But for me to go on on loan when I was obviously st- still heavily in contract with Wolves, so when I went to Sheffield Wednesday, the only way I could go to Sheffield Wednesday is if I took a twenty five percent pay cut. So Wolves would pay twenty five percent, and Sheffield Wednesday had to pay the other fifty, and then I have to lose. The twenty-five. Yeah. So, if I'm that much focused on money, then I'd have just said, oh, "Do you know what? I'll stay here. I'll get it all." But I, I, I give, I sacrificed that mm. to go and play. I did. I didn't want to come and keep coming in at two o'clock. I love football. <clears throat> I set out to play football from the beginning, and I still want to play football. So when them opportunities came, yeah, it was a no-brainer. I thought immediately, yeah. and and the conversations I had had with with Jez, and it was obviously being filtered down from Steve. If he wants to stay, I'll pay him every penny. It's his career. If he wants to rot here, that's fine. So that's the sort of thing that I was dealing with. But I'd already made that decision in my head anyway that, yeah, definitely, I'll, I'll, I'll take the 25% pay cut to go go and play. It's an absolute no-brainer. And then again, when I hit to January, I did well at Sheffield Wednesday. I did the same at West Ham. Yep, you have to take 25% again. Yep, no-brainer. Because what happened the year after? Because I say you got those two loan moves that first season. Um, then, pretty sure. I didn't I get paid up for the final year. Did you were here for half the season. Because that was when you went on Soccer AM. You were here, and I think we'd come back up. Yes, yeah, so we would come back up, and we're in the championship oh, at that point. I think, um, I think and then you was got then just me wanting out the club. So I couldn't be. I didn't want to go for another year of. of I just wanted to be somewhere and settled. I didn't want to have to yeah. keep coming in at stupid o'clock. I just wanted to be somewhere. So it was, I think it was more um, back and forth with the heads of. I just mean like, Steve. could you have gone on loan for that part of the season? Because you'd had the two loan moves. I think I had to kind of make a, a stand personally. Because yeah, I could have gone on loan again. But it was more like, right, let's just get a situation out there so we're, everyone's happy and let me just move on. Because yeah. that was year five, I think that was year four then, wasn't it? Yeah. So I was like, I, I, and it was getting me down and, and obviously stuff going on in my life at the time. I just wanted to be somewhere where, yes, I was wanted. Yes, fight to be in the team and be in the team. I just didn't want to have another year. So I think a conversation with my agent at the time, I, I was, he just said, look, just stick it out and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get this sorted. Obviously, it went on longer than than I'd hoped, but yeah, it was it was basically just to to then finally just leave leave the club, get 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 the get the situation out of the way for everyone, for me, for the club, for the fans, for just just cut ties. It's not worked. Um, just just kind of go down that road, really. And how how do you think that was? So you, you're not quite sure about how it ended, but. You know, where were you when it did? Was that like just a weight off your shoulder? Huge. Gone with your life? Huge weight. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I signed here to try and better the club and play as the best as I possibly could. And it didn't work out. And I'd never had that before. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a tough situation to deal with. And obviously the years went on and it dragged and dragged and dragged. And obviously the million, how many things we spoke about here just mm. with one person. So um, a lot of things got heightened. Hopefully I've cleared a few thing, things up today. Uh, but certainly when I finally left, yeah, it was, yeah, it was relieving. It was a huge weight, huge weight, because it was a huge period period of my career. Because how did you cope? We talk a lot about the mental side, because I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. And, you know, not just, not just in the second part of it, when you're having to come in and train at random times, but even, as you say, that you're aware yourself that your own game is not where it was, and it's not happening for you on the pitch. Yeah and all this stuff, and you know that the fans aren't happy with you. How do you get through that? It is tough, isn't it? Mm-hmm. As a, as a f- for a footballer, it is, it is... 
I don't really like asking for help. Certainly when I was years ago uh, and talking, because I like to think so. I, I can deal with it, and I find it weak if I if I have to ask for, for help. But as years have gone on, yeah, you, you need help, and I, I don't even know how I got through that period um, without asking for help. To be honest with you, but I'm a strong head, strong character. I just thought it, it, it will sort itself out. It will sort itself out, and in the end, it did. But through the period, I mean, it was really hard for certainly the bomb squad. It was tough for them boys. Um, that, that what, the, what the, I think the club did, I don't think it was on. Certainly for the for the boys that had been here and won promotions, I, d- I didn't think it was on. Did it change you as a person? Yeah, yeah. For a good way or a bad way? Um, certainly good, because there's things that have ha- that, that, that did happen, and I've learnt from the mistake I made in that situation. Mm. So. Yeah, I've, I've took loads of things from my time at Wolves, things I would do, things I certainly wouldn't do um, later on, and just in life, in life in general. So if we went back to 2011, knowing what you know now, and Mick gives you a call and says, do you want to come to Wolves? Would you say no this time? I'd say yes. You'd still go through it? What, and have all the things that happen? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, yeah, I'd still probably do it. Just, just for, it's, it's, Wolves is a huge club. Um, I mean, that's a really tough question. Uh, Especially when he's give you, he's not give you the chance to do anything differently. Surely you do. Yeah, well, no, you I, could, I, do, you could do it, but it's that thing. I just asked you. I said, is it the same? Exactly no, no, the same. You, you, you do things differently. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah, but even if you, even if I things thought you did, meant year on year, because, because everything happened. Yeah, but the, exactly there, the was, same. there were some things that would happen that are beyond your control, and therefore, I'm just interested in the element of. Because you know, because it's it's helped shape you and change yeah. the way you view things. That actually, whilst it was a bad period, it you can still see positives in what happened. Yeah, then I then I that's the question out there. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd do it again. Yeah, it's, fasc- it's just fascinating. Oh, that's to one, yeah, because I think you you learn stuff from everything, don't you? Massively, everything, every day. Because you went through three relegations in a row. Yeah, yeah. The Birmingham one was tough. Yeah, I mean, obviously we had the back of the, the cup win, but that was a tough. I think we got relegated with something like forty point or thirty nine points. I mean, that's that's unheard of. I think it was the first time in in the history of the Premier League, maybe. Um, so yeah, that was a tough pill to swallow, and obviously I was playing well at the time, so I just expected to m- move on again, still in the Premier League, move on with Wolves, and the same thing happened. So. That was tough for me because when it wasn't happening, I was like, "Why is this not happening? Mm. I've never had it before." Like, Wickham, amazing player of the years. Cardiff, amazing player of the years. Birmingham, uh, Joe Hart and Ben Foster, so they won player of the years. But yeah, I was I was doing well, getting England recognition. So when it didn't happen at Wolves, it was so hard to deal with. But I thought, no, sort yourself out. Just keep doing what you know. Keep doing what you know. And it was just one of them times in my career. I had, I had a tough, I had a tough period. I didn't mean to play badly. I didn't mean to make a mistake for a goal. But I mean, I'm still trying to do the positive things. Like I never, forget, I think it was Liverpool. Where I've gone out as normal, block a shot. My nose dive one way and it's gone in the other. And that, that's the sort of luck I was getting. So it happens in in, in football. I'm sure. I don't know. It does, yeah. I'm sure you've had it before. Yeah, yeah trust me. Yeah, and no. it's. Uh... No, it's, I think it's it's, 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 it's it's a difficult thing in football, especially when you're not really given the right chance to, to go out and put things right. Yeah. You know, I think even just getting amongst it and, and training, yeah, I've been I've been part of the bomb squad and you and you got it's so hard just to get yourself up for training yeah. and going, but you're still involved with the group. I can't even imagine just being not allowed so it does it affects you mentally and you do come through it, you learn from it. Yeah. You know, but I'm just it's it's, it's so good just to hear the other side. 
of it because you hear things and you you make uh, you have perceptions of, and it's like I know you I've known you for years playing against you I know groups we've got similar groups of friends as well so I know exactly what you're all about and I just thought it was so important you come and you say it exactly how it is as well because like yeah. I say there's two sides to every story well, I hope I've done that yeah people have a view but I hope I've come across and, and said the things people want to hear whether it's right or wrong um, yeah but certainly I felt I feel better about myself coming on and be given the chance rather than people reading it in the paper. That's good, man. We're going to do the rundown. It's kind of quick fire, but I might pick up on one or two things as we go through. So Mr. Luma. Yep. Uh, best player you played at at Wolves? The best player you played with at Wolves? With? Um, um, tough. Fletch. Ah, Stephen Fletcher. What was it about him? I mean, he'd, unbelievable finisher. Like some of the mm. stuff he'd do on a training round, unbelievable. Who was the worst trainer? Sil. His <laughs> name's <laughs> come up a few times. Uh, biggest mourner. Oh, uh, Carl, but in the right way. Because he's trying to get it across <laughs> yeah, for the boys. Come up a few times as well, yeah. Who was your best friend at Wolves? Uh, I'd toast uh, Steers and Morty. Uh, the best and worst dress sense? Stephen Hunt. What, both? Oh, best. best uh, well, you know the worst, that's Honey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best. Oh, Christ, there's been some mad outfits in that training room. Um... Oh, I'll give it steers, but no. no. <laughs> I'll give it Come steers, on. but he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't pick yourself. I've got to pick him, and I. You can pick yourself if you want. I'll meet him. Who was the funniest player that you played with? In different ways. I mean, Hunt is just mad funny, but then. Kevin Foley on the wit side. Yeah. Some of the stuff he come out with, people wouldn't even get the joke, but it. <laughs> People that understand it, that, that sort of humour, I, I, yeah, funny guy, funny guy. No, I agree with that. Uh, best manager you worked for at, at Wolves? Oh, it'd have to be Mick. It have to, has, has to be. What was Stella like with you? When I played more or less every game, I, I, we didn't speak about it. I actually did all right in that season, even though we got relegated. I played the majority of the games. Um, under Stoller and, and Dean Saunders it just didn't work for them too the, I think the situation with Stoller and how he wanted to play wasn't for that league um, and then I think we were just too far gone when Dean Saunders come in but how Mick is as a guy how he was as a manager for, for me personally that that's because it, it's interesting hearing you talking about Stoller because when Carl was in Carl was of the view I guess a bit like you that um the style that like sitting back and and hold and yeah. soaking up pressure and stuff wasn't. wasn't I think the it way would work better higher up in like, in the Premier League. How we wanted to play, I think, in that division, you know, it's like so hard. It's just you, just, you have to scrap out, scrap yeah. out wins. Because Carl was of the view that you either give Stoller three years yeah. to do the full change, or they'd have been better off having Dean Saunders in for the whole season. No, it certainly didn't work. Certainly with Terry as well. Terry was still sort of lingering around the the, the like the both managers. I think um, it just was it's a really weird period that uh, championship season. Really weird. Did Stoller go too early? <sighs> maybe, maybe. But I just don't think the lads bought into. He's had a lot of players that have played in the championship. They know yeah. what gets you a result. And I just don't think they bought into how he wanted to play. So I think maybe at that time he had to go. Okay, uh, this uh, this is an interesting one to me because I say because if it if it had been Dean Saunders for the whole season or Stoller for the whole season, which do you think would have done better? Probably Dean Saunders. Yeah, I think he understood how to scrap out a win, but Stoller stuck to his. Regimented away, which is that's perfectly fine. I'm, I'm on, I wanted to go into coaching as well, and, but I don't. I, I don't think Stoller had a 
a, a, like a plan B. It was right as this, and it's not working. We're still doing it, and it still wasn't working. So something's got to give at that point, and it ended up being his job. So um, there were only two, but what was the best goal you scored? Um, Can you remember? Yeah, either I, I enjoyed the header against Blackburn, wasn't it? Was it Blackburn? I haven't got a clue. Yeah, that was under. That was under Dean Saunders, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was against Blackburn. What would you say was the, the best game that you were involved in for Wolves? For Wolves? It was one of the mixed last games, actually, the QPR win. Yeah, QPR, because he was under serious pressure at that point. And I, I wasn't even sure if I was going to be in the team, and he was, and he stuck with me again. So to get that win... Yeah, was was huge. It was Blackburn, by the way. I just looked it up. Told you, I remember you, everything about football. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Rhodes had put Blackburn in front with a penalty, and you equalised on seventy-four minutes. You also scored in a three-three draw against Brighton. Um, Carl Henry was sent off, and you scored in the last minute after Brighton had got a penalty in the eighty-ninth minute. Yeah, do you remember this? I give it away or something. I, I don't know. Maybe you did. Maybe you did. I, I can't remember. Um, and the final one, and I guess the big one, and maybe the hardest one, what was your proudest moment at Wolves? Oh, what an awful question. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Initially, getting the captaincy. It was a massively proud moment. Um, being a Premier League captain and captain of such a huge club, that, that would probably have to be my proudest did it work out how we all wanted it to? No, but as a proud moment, that is a, that is a proud yeah. moment. Thank you for coming in. No worries. Thank you. No worries at all. Hope, like I said earlier, I hope, hope I came across all right and cleared cleared some things for the for the fans. Roger Johnson, Old Gold Club. Thanks for listening to the Old Gold Club, powered by Blight Group. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts. Wolves TV, the home of live uninterrupted radio commentary of every single Wolves game. But that's not all. Wolves TV also brings you extended and alternative match highlights, interviews with the team, behind-the-scenes features and training coverage, plus see every goal Wolves score from every angle. So check out Wolves TV online at wolves.co.uk or on the move via the Wolves app.